Hey there, welcome to the podcast. And oh, hey, it's episode 132, I think. <laughs> and I'm excited about this episode. Uh, Angela Rogers is my guest today, and she runs a ministry called Millstone Ministry, which does um, human trafficking awareness. Uh, she, they do workshops, she has some books, and, um, and then she also works with Ghost which is a part of Genesee County Sheriff's uh, Office, Sheriff's Department, um, where they basically find human traffickers and and rescue people out of human trafficking. So anyway, this is a great conversation. Uh, So we talk about how she kind of got into this, um, some tips for people, clergy or lay people who are interested in getting involved, things that you should look for, uh, Chris, education is always a big key. Um, uh, so I think you'll just find a lot of the things we talk about. Also, if you've been around the podcast for a little while, uh, she and I talk about how we met, which is back in episode 119. Um, and so we kind of give a little bit of an update of some things that are happening and um, kind of where we're at with finding justice uh, in our own backyards. So I think you're really gonna enjoy this. Um, I also uh, wanna give a shout out to Koei and uh, um, Cole's media company who uh, is helping me with my website and it's pretty much up and running and functional. I think there's still some things we're tweaking, but if you haven't been to the website, check it out. Uh, It's in the show notes. Also, if you need somebody to help you with your website or branding or, I mean, he does a whole bunch of stuff when it comes to marketing. So uh, he, his website is also in the show notes. Check that out, see what he's doing and how his company can help you. Um, And let's see. Oh, a couple other things. Uh, I have some more guests coming. I was a little bit disappointed. I was trying to get, um, Anna LeBaron on the podcast and, uh, she has she wrote um she came out of a cult and she has a memoir about it and then recently uh, abc has done a a documentary on it uh so you can find that on hulu but abc kind of has temporarily put the squash on interviews so hopefully down the road maybe i don't know four or five six months she'll be able to come on the podcast so if you'd pray for that that would be awesome but I do have a couple of other guests that are lined up and I've been doing deconstructing. I kind of think we're moving, I'm moving into uh, cults because we talk about cults in this episode uh, a little bit. And then um, I have some guests coming on the podcast and we're going to talk about cults. So uh, I don't know. I said that we'll just, we're just going to let this podcast uh, go wherever it's going to go. So um, right now that's what I'm doing uh spiritual uh abuse and deconstructing and cults and uh whatever and so uh i don't know just stick around there's something cool coming for i think everybody i've been trying to tell better stories about women and clergy and the church but now i'm telling my story and your story because they matter. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Angela. Hey, it's Camita. There you go. <laughs> and welcome, uh, Millstone Ministries, also. I'm so glad to see you again. This has been a long. This has been a long time coming. I had to get to a place where I could have you on the podcast. I had to be in the right frame of mind so I could have you on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, my stuff can get kind of heavy. <laughs> it can get kind of heavy, and I'm not sorry about that either. But yeah, we'll get through it, right? So we'll talk about late. We'll we'll talk about how we got to know each other a little bit later in the episode. <laughs> um, but I I kind of want to start with your just your faith journey because I know that you did not grow up in the church and did didn't not. really have any kind of Christian faith. I'm not sure if you had other faith background or not. Um, so you just talk about 
how did you come to faith in Christ? And like, how, how did that kind of come about in your life? Yeah, that, uh, that whole from darkness to light, you know, hindsight, like looking back at it now, it was, it was, it was a tragic journey. It was a tragic journey, but it was beautiful. Um, you know, I grew up in a home where there wasn't any faith. I went to my grandparents on the weekends, you know, we went to church. Um, I had a really bad experience in that church. Um, you know, I described that in the books that, you know, I didn't know what was going on. They'd keep, you know, people would pull me up to the front and then, you know, circle around me and pray over me. And what I thought at that time was a foreign language. I didn't know it was tongues at that time. Um, I just thought I did something wrong. And then, um, you know, I got private counseled by the pastor because I didn't react to that in the way that I guess they were expecting a seven-year-old girl to react. Um, nothing ever happened inappropriate, but I, I do know it was grooming. Um, and then, you know, I had another experience um, at an Awana club that was for youth where, you know, there was bullying. And when we stood up for ourselves, you know, we got kicked out because it was the pastor's kid, um, you know, that was touching my friend inappropriately. And then, you know, fast forward at that point, I was kind of going down a rough road in my life and I was barely making it through school. So my parents who, mind you, we had zero faith in our home, thought it'd be a great idea to put me in a Catholic high school. I mean, cause you know, that's, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, so, you know, someone that didn't have any faith and had two really bad experiences well, then you get put in a Catholic high school, which was a great high school. Like, you know, I learned a lot. It was a great high school. It's still there today. Um, but taking somebody that didn't understand any of that, that just made me hate religion even more. So um, I went down a path of two decades of Wicca and witchcraft. And, you know, I'm not proud of that at all by any means and things that, you know, I've done. And it took two decades to snap me to where I am now in faith. Um, in 2012, my son Jacob was involved in a double murder suicide and he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and he was killed in Livonia. And so that sent me down even a darker path at that point because, you know, who, who did I believe or who did I blame it on? you know, at that point I was deep in witchcraft and, you know, why not blame it on somebody I didn't believe in? It's easier that way. Um, not that that was right. Um, so then fast forward to 2017, uh, December 25th, actually 2017. Um, I got the call that my son Jared was dead. Um, and I remember looking up and saying, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this again. And I woke my husband up because um, my ex had called and to let me know, cause he'd got the call first and I'd sent him downstairs to get the other kids up and around so we could start moving some things around for the kids. And I had full intentions on committing suicide. I actually went to the closet and I can feel it still in my body, I went to the closet and I put my hand on the closet door, which is where our safe was. And it is the most surreal feeling even still today to talk about, Joanne, it is, it's something. Um, and I actually get real choked up saying it, so bear with me. I, uh, I literally looked up and I said, I'm not doing this again. Because I knew what it did to me before. And God disciplined me right there on the spot. And I'm talking like a billy club to the back of my legs and put me to my knees. And I can still feel the pressure on the back of my legs when I talk about this today. Some people think I'm crazy and I know what I felt. And I looked up, I said, I cannot do this again. And I started praying out loud. I'd never done that before in my life. And I, I just asked him to surround me and show me how to do this a better way than what I did with Jacob. And 
I was spoken to and he said, you're going to take every hurt and make it into something for somebody else that's good. You're going to take every bit of anger and put it into somebody else to make it for somebody else and over and over and over. And I literally stood up from that and I felt this heated glow around me and I walked downstairs and I literally saw the transformation taking place in my house at that point, which was something I remembered very well, you know, cause it was just a few years prior. Right. And it was like a lifetime movie playing out, you know, the screens that you get the reels. And I made a conscious effort. I looked up at the ceiling and I was like, Nope, I got this. And I immediately from that day one put into place that every hurt that hurt me and every bad thing that I was feeling from losing my two boys, I was going to take that and make it something positive and to help somebody else. And that's my journey on how I came to Christ. It's ugly, but beautiful. So how long, which I I love how you were able to say, I'm going to take all this hurt and this pain um, and then I'm going to, and I'm going to, you know, uh, when the scripture says from, uh, beauty from ashes, right. Yep, beauty. And, uh, and so how long was it from that episode, like that experience to when you kind of got into human trafficking awareness, like, like, like how did that journey happen? Was that a long time or did, did it, was there like an intermediate step? Um, it was like a progression, um, Jared had, as anyone that knew Jared knew, he had some serious, he had some mental health issues. Um, He was bipolar and he graced us with every time he went manic, it was front page news. Um, We got graced with that a lot. Um, And when he left, like he was gang affiliated and, and things like that. And when he left the gangs, Um, the last year of his life, he was actually turning things around and and doing very, very well, but he left the gangs because he started seeing some of the human trafficking that was taking place within it. Um, and that got me interested in that, but, you know, journey through, you know, at that point with foster care and, and things like that. And that's what got me interested more in the human trafficking aspect. Um, it was more just, I was told to do good deeds, do good deeds for anybody that needed a good deed. And, you know, if you treat everyone you meet like a ministry, that's really easy to do. And that's how we, we got there, the whole human trafficking awareness and, you know, the interest in human trafficking kind of stemmed from that because I know that Jared was very much against that part of what was taking place. Yeah. So what was, so what were some of your first steps? Like, did you just decide, Hey, I'm going to get training in this or were you like, uh, DIY? (laughs) His sense of humor is funny. Sometimes his sense of humor is funny. Sometimes we started getting kids in foster care that had been human trafficked by their own parents. Um, and the preface of that really sunk in, if that's not a sign, you know, so yeah, I started just diving in and taking every certification that I could learning everything that I could. Um, I took it to our pastor's wife, Jessica, who you met and just a beautiful, wonderful person that's you know, she had a situation happen outside of her home where she thought it was what she, what human trafficking, but wasn't aware and what didn't think. So she called me and I was like, okay, let me check into it. So it's like everything just, once I started looking towards that, it was like lay in pavement. Like it just went, you know, and, and now we have four people that are in our ministry. We have Amy, um, who has a daughter that fell victim to human trafficking, Jessica, Um, our pastor's wife and one of my very dear friends too, that, you know, is also a pastor's daughter. 
So she gets to bring a certain amount of naiveness to it. She's learning as she goes, which is beautiful. And then you have me. That's, I don't know how you'd explain it. Just very direct, curt, blunt, to the point of what it is. So, uh, you know, we have a board now, so it's good. It's good. Well, that's cool. Um, so yeah, you're, you're officially a 501c3, right? We're working on that right now. Okay. Yeah. We cool. are, we're finishing that up right now. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Now you, I know you work with ghost. Um, did you do something before that, before you got, and ghost is an acronym. It's Genesee human up. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost is Genesee human oppositional op, bleh, strike team. So, um, Yes, I was a CASA at Voices for Children, and I adored that. I, I love that, which is a court-appointed special advocate um, where we mentor and help foster children and, you know, help with reporting and things like that with caseworkers into court. You know, we're that sound person for them to talk to. And through that, the director there saw that I work really, really well with the hard, te hard teens and, and things like that. And you know, upon her recommendation and another one from Ghost, um, I was deputized in as the victim advocate. Um, and so now you're already working with Ghost before you st started Millstone or you're, was that kind of hand in hand? Um, I was with Ghost um, okay. before first. And then, you know, I was doing some trainings and things like that with people, but um, Jessica and I, you know, we wanted to do more. We wanted to do more. Um, you know, we wanted to get into more churches and do more. Yeah. Um, and I know you do workshops and stuff, which I'm going to put all of that in the show notes, your your website, all that kind of stuff, whatever you have coming up soon. Hopefully people, if, it's, if they're in the area, they will um, attend one. But they can also have you guys come out and do workshops, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I went to part of yours. I couldn't stay for the whole thing, but um, you came for anyway. human trafficking, I believe, right? Yeah, I think I came for the human trafficking part. So, um, and then you've recently added. Have you recently added the grooming piece, or did you have that for a while? Nope. Um, we we've had the grooming piece, and um, I did make it more personal after a situation that happened in our family, um, because people tend to relate more when it's personal. And not just statistical. And, you know, we find because we educate churches, you know, yeah. we cater to churches for our ministry. And our program is biblical based as well, as you know, um, Millstone, you know, Matthew 18, 6. You can't get much. You cannot get much more biblical than that about what he says if you hurt one of my children. Um, so. The grooming segment, because trafficking takes grooming you know people think it's like the movie taken where liam neeson just comes in and and, and drags you know or someone drags a child off underneath or the white band syndrome and i'm not saying that that does not happen it, it does but more more so than that it's actually somebody they know love and trust that is somebody in their own family or trusted what we call trusted circle yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think this is important for several reasons, obviously, you know, the kids, um, and then, well, I mean, they're human beings, so yeah. um, we should care about them because they're human beings and created in the image and likeness of God. So um, I, but one of the things, especially like those last several episodes, I've been doing stuff on deconstructing and a lot of my guests who have been on have talked about um, uh, you know, the churches are the places that people look for. It's Absolutely. an easy opportunity to get access <laughs> to kids and stuff like that. Um, and so will you talk a little bit about the grooming and, how, you know, just kind of how that works and what people should be aware of? And yeah. You know, and I don't, in this, don't take assault to this. I don't care how good your churches and I don't care how safe you think your church is 
And I don't care how much ministry safe you've had your people that work in your church take. They're already there. They are there. And grooming is a term that's used to describe how a person builds a relationship with a vulnerable person to manipulate or exploit or abuse them. It's become synonymous with sexual abuse in children. You know, they're parallel. You know, groomers place themselves in roles that allow them access to these vulnerable people, whether that be church, youth group, you know, anything like that, you know, because, you know, the preface that, oh, they're coming to church, they're Christian, they're safe. That's not fact. That's called a wolf in sheep's clothing. And, but groomers also take a lot of time, a lot of time to develop relationships. They learn about their victims. They learn about their vulnerabilities, likes and interests. They learn what makes them tick. They become trusted within the family too, which a lot of times is a barrier. Um, they use that knowledge though to gain and control and to get that trust. And then they slowly, and it's, and it's slow usually, just little innuendos here and there, slowly start introducing the sexual content and then physical contact and things like that. People think it takes place just online. It's not, it can be in person as well. And it's usually by a family member or somebody else in that circle of trust, you know? And statistically speaking, we live in a day and age where one and I just pulled the new stats three, one in four. Yeah. It's one in one in four girls are sexually assaulted before they're at age of 18 and one in five or six boys. You can't tell me that it's not being groomed from young, from young. And we also need to remember that groomers learn that behavior from somebody. And that's what a lot of people don't want to talk about. The first thing I ask when I know that somebody has sexually assaulted somebody as well, where'd they learn that behavior? And chances are, if you go back, you'll find the reason why. Yeah, I was, I think it was Brene Brown. I'm not sure. I think it was Brene Brown um, was saying that some of the newest research that's coming out on um, um, substance abuse is saying mm -hmm. that um, it's almost equal between men and women in the abuse. Like uh, partially it's because men are just taught not to talk about it but that we're starting to see that it's probably very close to uh, equal numbers. So it's probably more like one in four girls. Oh, I think it's even higher than that. Because yeah. if you look statistically, one in six report. Right. So you can times everybody, everything by six. Right. So if you know there's one victim, you know there's probably six. Right. Because one in six report, which is why this is really like a silent thing that just it, it goes through you know and the the human trafficking aspect of it you know it's it's real you know I still get told on the daily it doesn't happen here and I'm like do you want to come talk to my five children that have been human trafficked by their own parents that we've adopted you know you met one of them you would never know Yeah, the, the grooming, it's it's real and they're good. They're good and they're manipulative. Yeah. And the grooming aspect is it's a part of the sexual abuse, sexual assault, also part of the human trafficking. Um, we just state like what's the distinguishing between sexual assault and human trafficking? So like, like legally, how do they leak to the difference? Yeah. So Sexual assault is not considered human trafficking. Human trafficking is when you do it by force, fraud, or corrosion, and it's for a gain. So um, it can either be for financial gain, a place to stay, for drugs, for housing, the clothing, you know, you know that type of type of situation. So if 
the difference is, is that, you know, and I, I can talk about uh, Darian's case, um, you know, her legal father human trafficked her from, as you know, from birth to age three. So he sexually assaulted her. But then when he allowed other people to do the same, and then he took a gain out of that, whether it was money, drug money, housing, that's then considered human trafficking by definition of the law, what by forced part of coercion. Right. Yeah, there's, there's got to be some kind of a, an exchange. Um, so thinking about this, what, um, what are just some obvious things that people can be looking for, whether it's in human trafficking, I know you talk, I saw the little segment and you talked about some of that stuff, um, or in the grooming element they can be aware of. In grooming, you know, grooming's really difficult to, I mean, I've, I've missed it myself. Um, grooming's very difficult. It's because it's very subtle they become friendly, they become friends. You know, if you notice that there's conversations or phones that are, you know, like if you're, you walk in and your kid goes with their phone, um, gifts, gifts being given, um, a child speaking about this person out of the blue, that's like the air that they breathe. Um, you know, it's definitely something to look into. Uh, the, the subtleness of it, though, can portray just like it's a concerned friend or family member. So you really have to know your child. And, you know, like if you see them start talking, you know, solely about this person, like it's like the air that they breathe and that they've become so reliant on this person or they're checking in with this person uh, or anything like that, that's definitely cause for concern. A lot of times they um, don't come to your they don't come and tell us. Um, a lot of times they retreat to their bedrooms a lot more. They start getting more anxiety, depression, sleep patterns, and things like that. Or um, when they leave, you don't, you can't really account for where they're at or who they're with. You know, I mean, but that also could construe human trafficking as well. Right. Yeah. So systematically, it's kind of the polar the same. You know, because it takes grooming to human traffic rarely, rarely is somebody just snatched and forced into it that, I mean, I have seen it, right? but it's rare. Yeah, it's it's definitely more or less the someone long, they know. Yeah. It's definitely the long con, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, the grooming segment of it, like, you know, we have devices on phones now, now preface uh, that, you know, like we use bark, um, so that like, if our teens are texting and, and, and it flags, something's just not quite right. I'll, you know, we'll get an alert to our phone so that we can open up the whole chat and be like, Hey, something's not quite right here. And, you know, then we can have the conversation. Yeah. Um, I know that there, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of it that's like, like there's, I know there's a, there's a. There is an, a massage parlor right next to my <laughs> chiropractors that works really strange hours. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure there some people are being trafficked there. Um, you can, and that could be forced labor as well. I mean, there's other right. forms of trafficking than just sex. You know, there's debt bondage, organ trafficking, forced labor. There's, you know, it's not just sex traffic, you know, human sex trafficking. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I definitely want to make sure I get the, uh, the, numbers and stuff for people who want to report uh because that's important for us to be have that on hand um i think that's important for all clergy especially to have you need to have a file of where you can report stuff yeah 100 percent. and in this day and age everybody has the capability to spot it and and my 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 motto is if you see something you say something it's not your job to investigate it. It's your job to report it just in case. Right. I'd rather have someone get upset with me for reporting it or wish that I had, you know, right. versus yeah. worse that I had. And as a reminder to all of those of you who are listening, who are clergy, you are mandatory reporters. Yes, mandated reporters. Mandated reporters. Um, that means it's not optional for you to uh, to look what to look away, but you must 
report if you see something. And keep in human sex sex trafficking, um, you know, for adults goes, you know, and minors goes to the human trafficking hotline. But if they're minors, that's under the age of 18, that's also considered child abuse. So then that also has to have a separate call to centralized intake in the state of Michigan for mandated reporters. So there's actually two calls that mandated reporters and a lot of people don't know that a lot of people think if you call one you don't have to call the other they don't always communicate like that or sometimes it takes quite a bit for it to catch up yeah um so will you talk a little bit about that part uh because i know that there's man, especially people who don't if they don't know personally know someone who's been victimized Mm -hmm. um there's this fear of oh my gosh what if i'm false reporting et cetera, et cetera. so will you talk a little bit about the idea of false reporting and uh, just i don't know, just speak into that a little bit so the way it works is if it's a if it's child abuse and neglect and you call centralized intake which i'm a mandated reporter and if you're a pastor or clergy or even a youth leader or anything like that you are as well it's not our job to investigate those suspicions. In fact, that could cause great harm to somebody that is being human trafficked or sexually abused or abused. Because if you start messing with the traffickers money, they're going to take it that, you know, there's a potential that they could take it out on the victim. And so when you call centralized intake, and it's, if you know, if you suspect child abuse or neglect, it's not if you know, and again, it's not just children, it's vulnerable adults as well. So if you have a disabled vulnerable adult, that goes into centralized intake as well. It's not our job to investigate, it's our job to report the suspicion and allow it to be investigated. With the human trafficking hotline, they work a whole nother system. So when you call, and, and they work in 200 languages now. It's crazy. They work in 200 languages now. When you call them, and I can put, we can put the numbers up, you can call them, you can email them, you can text them, and you can even online chat with them. And you don't need to leave your name. You can even be anonymous. And then what they do is then they take it, formulate a report type situation out of it, and then they route that out to the local authorities, law enforcement, or if, you know, there's enough sometimes even the FBI. So when the FBI gets involved or, you know, then they come in and do their investigation with centralized intake, a CPS worker gets assigned, goes in, does the, you know, the status, the paperwork to see if it's actually factual, not factual, and then they make a determination from there. My suggestion is if you suspect it, you report it, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, because you could save somebody. You don't, you don't know. Right. Um, that's a, uh, you know, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you kind of breaking that down uh, for people that'll help them. What about, um, and cause I think this is another place where people wonder about what if it's minor on minor. So let's say you have a 15 year old and like a nine year old. I mean, the 15 year old is you suspect is assaulting, you know, a nine year old. So technically they're both minors, like so people I think get freaked out like what do you do with that you know so that's a tough one because a lot of times it's classified kid on kid and then they put services in place you know therapy in place and, th and things like that however there still needs to be some kind of intervention with whatever's going on in that home to protect those two children and again I said two children because one learned it from somewhere. So that means that there's probably a systematically thing going on in that home that needs to be looked into. Centralized intake all the way, report your suspicion, see something, say something, then let them do it. And, and, and another misconception, a lot of people are afraid to call centralized intake, especially when you're in a church setting and I've heard this, well, I don't want them to know that it was me that called because then it'll cause discord in the church and it'll cause this and this. That's not how that works. In fact, the CPS worker that goes out oftentimes does not even know who called that in. 
they just get like a, a face sheet that says what the allegation that was called in on and they never disclose to who they're going to investigate who called that in they never do um you know now there's sometimes like if you say certain things and they they investigate a certain thing it's you, you know you know um but usually speaking that's one of the barriers that i get about people not wanting to call is that they don't want their name involved right and i think one of the things and i like how you said that you know there's two children um because that is one of the things i think we we forget about like we, we want to say oh man you know this you know this child's only 15 or whatever right but they 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 have been shaped by something that made that that now they want to do this to other younger children so there's a, probably some form of abuse it might not be sexual abuse but it could be some other form of abuse uh physical and it verbal. might the parents might not even know about it it could have happened at a friend's house overnight at a, right. at a sleepover you know it, it could have you're you're absolutely right yeah yeah the parents may not be aware of it but that th both of them need um counseling and treatment and intervention um just to break the cycle um later on so you know it's the same if you look at addiction you know addicts that are you know practicing addicts tend to use in or around their children that then teaches their children that preface until somebody breaks that cycle and i'm not saying all addicts but until you break that cycle that's potentially what could happen and i don't know about you all children are born pure correct all children are born pure and yeah i believe that i i think that there are there are some churches teaching that you know your um born evil from the time you leave your mother's womb and uh um which is kind of setting us all up for failure right yeah that scares me doesn't it that scares me yeah. yeah like i know that you know like if you look at traffickers i'm not human trafficking victims the traffickers 24 percent of them were either in foster care or within the system at one point in time for their own abuse and neglect if you look at that statistically speaking you can't not say things aren't parallel. Like, you know, parents teach their children. And if they go to a friend's house, the parents that you're allowing your children's house to go to are teaching your child while they're on an overnight there or the older brother or the uncle or whatever, you know, you can't be careful enough because I promise you it happens everywhere, even in places that are supposed to be the safest. Yeah, definitely. Man. Um, so let's say, uh, you know, as I have clergy and lay people who listen to this, let's say we have clergy or lay people that want to get involved in um, human trafficking awareness, or maybe they want to start some kind of a ministry to help with this um, within the local church. Uh, how, like, what are the opportunities? How could they go about doing that? Like, yeah. I think, so, I think people feel overwhelmed, like, oh my goodness, it's so it, big. It Where is overwhelming. Yeah. And, and you know, I get that every time we do a presentation. You know, it people don't want to know that it happens here. And it's happening right in our backyard. The FBI estimates right now that there's a sexual predator in every one mile of the United States. That should frighten everybody to even go to your mailbox. You have to be aware. Um, to get aware, you have to be educated, you know, bring us to your church. Like we, you know, you, you've seen it. We put on a great program with awareness and education and the what to do's and how and what to spot. And then we also bring in the social media aspect to it because 84% of these kids nowadays that are getting human trafficked are groomed online. 84% of them. And, you know, what I tell parents is, you know, Disneyland has 35,000 people that come there every day. 
Would you take your child and drop them off at Disneyland and leave for the night? Most parents say no. I've had one in all my years of doing this say yes. I was a little concerned. Um, Then don't leave them alone online where there's 500,000 predators at any given time. And, you know, it's, it's like handing your child a weapon without education. Would you hand your child a gun without education? No. Would you hand your child a power tool without explaining to them the dangers? No. But yet we're handing them the biggest weapon of all, the social media, without any education as to what can take place out there. Awareness has to be key. And to get aware, to get the awareness, you have to get educated. Um, I do like when people go to the Genesee County Sheriff's Department webpage and, and take their ghost certification course you know, get ghost certified because it, it does real time. Like it shows you some scenarios and, you know, you get a certificate, you get a great sticker and, you know, a thank you from our sheriff and the ghost certification program is really, really good too. Yeah, that's great. Uh, okay. Books maybe you would recommend um, if people want to start just there. I mean, obviously your books, which will be in the show notes. <laughs> but any other books that might help them to get started you know no okay i struggle with that because everybody's interpretation of how they read things are different as you and i both know let's talk i mean the bible right yeah you know everybody's interpretation on on scriptures is something different so the way that i interpret a book that I'm reading about human trafficking awareness and things like that. And education could be something totally different to somebody else. You know, we've also had now predators actually come to one of our programs to kind of try to stay up above our game. And it's like, Hey, you know, at the end, you got a judgment day anyway. So let's just do this. Now, did you know that they they came to your workshop? I did. Um, I'm pretty, pretty versed with who I, yeah. I knew. Okay. Yeah, it was a new one. Uh, did did you? What did you do? Did you do anything or no? No, um, we let him stay. Uh, you know, he stayed through it, uh, and uh, you know, his was a CSC case, not specific to trafficking, but yeah. um, you know, and who knows? Maybe some of the stories or statistics might lead them in a different route i mean you know we pray during our programs we pray over people during our programs we talk a lot of biblical things and and things like that and you know at the end of the day jesus went back for the one right so yeah that wouldn't have been nice of me to i mean i didn't let him go in the bathroom with my child by himself or anything but (laughs) (laughs) we were a little cautious but but... (laughs) I mean, oh we're a hospital for the broken, right? Oh, yeah, we are. I guess we are. Isn't that how it works? Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, all right. Anything uh, Anything you just want? Well, we didn't talk about how we got to know each other. <laughs> we can talk about that because I love <laughs> our story. Uh, okay. So those of you who are new to the podcast, um, you can go back and watch episode <laughs> 119. <laughs> is that the one that's the one one um, one nine one one nine uh so we got to know each other um, i'm getting a drink of coffee for that part because uh you have a daughter who was assaulted i do i do and i had brought i along with several others not just me have brought up several concerns about um a family and a church uh, in my area um, months, 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 several months before this occurred. Uh, Which was ironic because I didn't even know that at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. they That that church would also tell you that all women are harlots and, you know, daughters well, of Jezebel. Uh, so... We, yes, we're, we're immediately born evil. All women are immediately born evil. Um, and so felt like when I heard, well, one, when, I'll just say when I heard your daughter's story, I lost my flipping mind. I can only imagine. Um, and 
I just I remember just I was I was so mad. I mean, I don't think you can call it praying. God and I were having words. Um, we were having words, and uh, and I and I just said, you know, I have a platform for a reason, and I'm going to I'm going to shine light on this because I am not allowing it to get covered up. And uh, if I go public, then they have like it's I'm forcing their hand. They have to do something. Um, Boy, which you they, did. Which they are. Which they are doing something. So they are. They are absolutely. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I hadn't even met you yet, but I was just I was <laughs> so mad. I was like, uh, just mad and. Um, and then you saw the platform I had, and then you were like, oh. Yeah, heartbroken. Just heartbroken. Devastated. Um, especially when I found out more of your daughter's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of how we got to know each other um, and very unfortunate circumstances, but it, I'm glad to get to know you and that's great. Though. Your family I mean, it, 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 it's a beautiful thing because although tragic um, and, and, and let's go back, she was sexually assaulted twice by him. Yeah. Twice in the very place she should have been safest. And, you know, he preyed on my vulnerabilities as well. I trusted him and he groomed me to give him the information. And then he used that to gain access to her as a brotherly figure. He sexually assaulted her once to test the waters to see if she'd tell. She thought she handled it herself. And when Obviously, he didn't, how do I say this appropriately on a podcast, when there was no repercussions from that first one, he knew she didn't tell, because everybody knows me and how I would have typically reacted to that, given what I do. Um, You know, he came back the second time and did it again. And, you know, they are doing something about it. They are. And... I'm very blessed to be part of that resolution so that we can say no more. Yeah. You know, we don't have this over our mouths at this point. Yeah. And, you know, and I do believe that the right thing, you know, I'm praying that the right thing will continue to be done because the truth has no sides when you're assaulted. Right. And you and I both know that truth has no sides absolutely i just don't think people expected you know the amount of people that i could reach and i'm so glad that i did because we're helping other people too yeah that were victims as well yeah i i I don't think people i i think there were several people who were caught off guard and did not think that i would Go public like that um which whatever at this point they should have known um i'm not going to put up with that i i mean i've spoken out on other things in board meetings so i don't know why they thought but again keep quiet about it right is right wrong is wrong yeah and the truth has no sides here Mm -hmm. and i will preach that until the day that i die for my daughter We have all the messages, which somebody didn't bank on backing up, us backing up because we have the right precautions on our children's phones. And, you know, you, one time you can say, okay, I really made a mistake, although not appropriate. But when you show a pattern of abuse, abusive power, sexual assault, that's a pattern. That's a predator. By definition. Yeah. And I mean, I'm blessed that I got to meet you. I am. I'm sorry it was under such terrible circumstances. But, you know, I do stand, you know, behind what they are doing now with the, you know, with with the proper investigation. Um, I do stand behind it. And you know, they've been very transparent and, you know, I do feel like my daughter has support. Good. 
good i'm glad yeah i mean Hopefully. if we don't if we don't speak out for those who i mean we're we are responsible to speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves um which i think is a shame that we we forget that we forget in the church that it is um well and a responsibility for us to speak up for those who can't more than the care of the physical needs though the church has been given the mission of reconciliation as well if you think about that i mean in second corinthians five seventeen, you know i mean and it goes on and on you know and then you know god says the care of the trafficking victims is the responsibility of the church in matthew 25 35 to 40. like it's there it's mm -hmm. just in your interpretation right. and you know, the millstone came about when, you know, we were searching and searching and searching. And I'm like, I just, that fits. And I know you've seen it. It takes us two or three people to carry that thing in whenever we do. Because when we do a program, we set that front and center. We have a big, big millstone. And holy cow, that thing's heavy. Right. And, you know, I mean, and it says if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble that believe in me stumble you know they should have a millstone hung around their neck and plunged into the i mean it's it's gruesome but it's meant to deter right right and i'm like I, of all the stuff i hear people and how they misinterpret scripture especially when it comes to patriarchy i'm like how do they read the words of jesus and not take that seriously if if children in our churches are being victimized by people in our churches um we need to take that scripture seriously of, I mean, those are the words of Jesus warning us um, that he sees us. And sometimes the people that are meant to be protecting us are allowing it to happen. And I hate to say that, um, you know, sometimes the very people that are put to protect us are the ones covering it up for their own gain. Right. I mean, and that that's not just in the pulpit, you know, I mean, that's an everyday life, too. You know, I mean, it, it is. But when you are in the pulpit, you have a responsibility to protect your church and your children. Not allow access unsupervised when you know there's a problem. Right. You know, and I know you and I have talked you know, and we're on the same page with that. And all the education in the world isn't going to fix this without systematic change. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Like I, I can go and educate you and know this all day long on human trafficking awareness, but until there's systematic change with it as well, it's just education. You know, people have to be accountable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it is systemic, um, and and it needs to be addressed at at the um, at the foundational levels, really. Absolutely. Of power, and uh, man. Um, and we're talking every branch, you know, not just okay. in the church. You know, right. I mean, you know, in, in a church setting, we're talking everywhere, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we have to remember that uh, sins of omission are just as um, are weighed just this, are weighed pretty much the same as sins of commission, right? So um, when we're turning, when we have power and we turn and look the other way um, and refuse to use our power to help others, we are going to be held accountable for that. So and integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's watching right and when you're in a position of power you're under an assumed integrity and that word i use loosely assumed because people just assume that people that are in position of power have the said integrity well nasser how many victims did he have mm. Yeah, right in our own backyard, right? Right in our backyard. Nancy, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, and, you know, it. 
and how many times he was brought in to the police and yeah they gave him the benefit of the doubt because he was a nice guy and you know the board too mm -hmm. you know swept a lot of it under the rug and yeah. and and things like that and each each time something gets swept under the rug it heightens that a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit and then that person then believes they're god and can't be touched well insert a little 17 year old girl that's got a voice now yep and a mama yep <laughs> and a few and a few other women that believe her story yeah and you know and it was really you know i have done all this you know, the human trafficking awareness and, and the ghost and, and foster care and all that prior to. And it was really unfortunate that, you know, I dropped my guard for that as well. And, you know, I've, I've had to eat crow on that a few times. And, you know, all the education in the world, and it got past me too. Yeah got past me too but we're here and now and hopefully hopefully that's all I can say hopefully hopefully well I'm doing all the things praying fingers and toes crossed <laughs> rosary well, in the if, tree <laughs> whatever it takes yeah. and at the end of the day he already knows the outcome yeah you know and and whether systematically something's done at this level or not there's still a call one day that's going to have to be answered for yeah and that millstone is going to suck yeah that millstone's going to suck yeah well i hope all of these girls feel at least empowered they feel like they um got some of their power back by being able to speak their truth and um uh, and, and that it'll start them on the road, road to healing. And I can tell you they are beautiful. They are beautiful and courageous. Beautiful, courageous, and, you know, full of grace. And that's power right there. Yeah. That's power. That is power. And I've gotten to me you know, people that I never would have and, and you know, cause you've seen it happen. Um, you know, when I went live on my webpage, it kind of escalated pretty quickly. It, it escalated pretty quickly, but you know, I've met, I, I, you know, through that, I've met so many people that have just been within our district that has just been so gracious, so accommodating and so wonderful to my family. And, you know, proper safety plans have been put in place for her. And, um, you know, our director has been fantastic, fantastic. Um, you know, our, our district soup has been fantastic with our family, you know, as well and giving her her voice and in, in, in listening intently to her and believing her. So, you know, I pray as well, like you, and cross my fingers and toes that other children aren't getting hurt in the meantime. Yes, absolutely. And That's, I think that is what so many people forget that this is about, oh, this is about stopping the cycle and, and preventing there from being other victims. Um, yeah. You know, and I know from a law enforcement standpoint, you know, it takes a long time to build these type of cases. It, it does. It takes a long time, you know, from rescue to restoration. I'm there with my victims. And, you know, so I understand. And, and, you know, we want it thorough. We want it right. We want it done properly. But, you know, the, the victim advocate in me and the mom has got, I'm praying that there's no other children getting hurt, you know, and, at the end of the day, that's all we can do. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to say that is one of the parts that I have to, I, I just, I can't let myself think about that because I get sick to, I get sick to my stomach. And uh, there's been a few times where I've just had, I've been like, you know, I just think I need to stay in bed today because I start thinking about it and it, um, it really gets to me. And 
Anyway, it's just well, it, and it, and it is. It's it's sick. I mean, and you know, statistically speaking, an average predator from time they start perpetrating to arrest can commit 117 acts. And if you figure one in six report, and you know, I know for each arrest that from ghost, you know, it saves like 25 kids, and we've had. Uh, 187 arrest on people that have showed up to have sex with minors at ghost and you know it's making change it is you know there's been like a you know 140 juveniles recovered on you know some of the roundups and and things like that but if you look at statistically 117 acts before they have shiny cuffs on you know that's 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 crazy. That's a crazy number. Well, yeah. Didn't you say that's average? <laughs> that's you know, and if you figure one in six report, that's the new statistic. You know, so you know, yeah, the Ten Commandments, man. <laughs> mm. But. You know, it's a heavy topic, but I love educating on it because it makes so many people aware. It opens their eyes and although heavy, it's needed. Right. Although heavy, it's needed. My goal is to have a safe house in every county of Michigan. You know, that's my goal. Oh, that's awesome. It's a big goal. It is a big goal. There's a lot of counties in Michigan. There is. There is. I've got a couple. But, you know. So how many do you have so far? Safe houses? Two. Yeah. Two. Okay. Two. Is that including yours? No. Your, yourself? No. Okay. No. Not mine. No. We have one on the thumb and one in by Ellen Park. Oh, great. So, um, you know, and those are just, you know, if we get somebody that needs a shower to sleep to, you know, help let us help get documents and, and things like that to be able to safely, you know, move them or get them services and, and things like that. You know, we need we need safe places to call an overnight home. And, you know, a lot of times churches will do that, too. You know, we've been very lucky with, you know, churches are like, nope, come on in. We got a shower downstairs. You know, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. Oh, yeah. But. Yeah, that's my goal. I'll have it. All right. Well, maybe after this episode, you'll have some more house people who sign up and say, we'll be a safe house or I'll have it. We'll, yeah. We've got a rental home. We'll turn it into a safe house or whatever. So, and there's no charge to have us come. You know, we yeah. do not charge. Um, you know, this is a mission to my ministry. It's not a job. And, um, you know, we, we bring cool t-shirts and my books and that's how we, Fund what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I have your cool t-shirt, even though I didn't wear it today. <laughs> didn't think about I think it. you got, I think you have both of them. I think you have the pray against praying and the, I won't remain silent. So yeah. you can remain I do have both. I, do, I, do I think you do. Them, yep. So. Yep. Uh, I sent them. You're both cool. And uh, anyway, I'm really excited about this episode. I can't wait for people to hear it. Do you have, so let's talk about any last words, like of all the stuff that we've shared, we've talked about so far, something you're like, if there's, is there something that you're like, man, I wanted to say this. No, just driving home. If you see something, say something. Mm. If you see it, say it. And, you know, if you're in public and you see it and you suspect it, call, call law enforcement and be like, hey, I just recognize this. This is what I've seen. Can somebody do a well check on this? You know, I mean, if you suspect it's human trafficking, you know, call the hotline, call the human trafficking hotline. It's um, the, if you don't call it, it can't be investigated. Right. You know, and we can, I can get you the information and you can post it so that people, when we do our training, we have people take out their phone right. and then we put it up on the slide and then they take a picture of the slide. So right. that I probably have it in my phone. You probably do. I probably do. I'm sure I took a picture. <laughs> yeah. Like if you see something, say something make 
that call because in my five children's lives who were human trafficked by their own parents, that is what made the difference is somebody cared enough to upset somebody and make a call. Yeah. And I'd rather have somebody upset with me for saving a child than somebody upset with me for not making that call and then find out that that's what's happening. Right. You know, because the trauma's forever. Mm-hmm. Assault trauma's forever. Yeah, it is. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate this. you. I appreciate you too. I do. I appreciate you.